Hey, podcast listeners. Um, I know you weren't expecting to have a podcast today because Series 2 is uh, finished. Uh, This isn't the start of Series 3, but um, this is a little sneak peek of the kind of thing that you can get on our Patreon. Um, So we have a Patreon. You can subscribe to that for £3, and um, with that you'll get a load of extra stuff. So for every episode... We've put out at least an extra 10 minutes. Most of the time it's it's sort of near a half an hour um, of extra material from each podcast. Um, So if you're missing the pod while we're away, um, check that out. It's just £3. And uh, as soon as you pay your £3, you get instant access to everything. We've also uh, done a book club. So there is this this month, or, or last month, we all read Pete Warmby's Fantastic What I Want to Talk About and uh, me and Abigail met and uh, discussed the book. And we also uh, heard some of your, and by your, I mean our patrons' opinions on the book. Um, so a lovely chat. It was really interesting. It's a fascinating book, uh, fascinating conversation following on from the book. Uh, we thought we'd give you a little sneak preview of what you would get if you subscribe to the Patreon. So here's a little clip from the book club. Uh, it's just 10 minutes. If you want to hear the whole thing, which is over an hour long, uh, you've got to subscribe to the Patreon. Go to patreon.com and search for Neurodivergent Moments. Or you can just go to patreon.com forward slash Neurodivergent Moments Pod. Uh, that's patreon.com forward slash Neurodivergent Moments Pod. And then you can get lots of extras. Anyway, here we are talking about Pete Warby's book. our first book club oh i'm so excited about it Uh, (laughs) i really like the idea of book club i feel like book clubs are quite like a cool thing i've never apart from this one i've never been in a book club um but i always feel like they're quite an exciting thing i've never been in one either and uh in true adh form if i can just share my neurodivergent moment i started reading pete's book uh before we did our interview with him and then kept saying i'd finish it and never did. So I started it Thursday and now it's <laughs> Saturday and I've just finished it this morning. You read that? Wow. That's incredible power reading. Not really. Um, I haven't read. The one reason why I wanted to do this with you is because I haven't been reading books and I want to get back to reading books. And I forgot how I got faster a little bit each day. But the first day it took me three hours to read 50 pages. I think that's that's acceptable. Is that <laughs> well, acceptable? Let me think. No, I actually, that like... is quite... I mean, everyone is different, but that... we rereading bits or what's... Probably. Sometimes, like, you know, I'll zone out and I'll have to go back and and uh, um, read it again. In my head, I think I'm reading at the pace people speak. Mm. I think that's what's happening. And then I'll like look at my clock and be like, I don't think five pages is enough. Once after like today, I kind of remembered how to read fast again, if you will. But it was a, it was interesting. It, thank God I liked the book. I'll tell you that. Otherwise, <laughs> but you know, I think books you like can take longer to read because you sort of, and I think this is a really good example of a book where there'll be something where you will read it and then you sort of have to, you might you go, oh yeah, I had that thing where that happened, or or like, and it just starts you off on a sort of thinking pattern, and then you go, oh no, God, I've got to go back to the the book. Um, yeah. Whereas exactly. some books, you just sort of get. Um, 
I mean, another potential book book club book is Dara McAnulty's book, who I think gets a, a, a shout out in in Pete's book, who's an amazing nature writer. Um, but with Dara's book, you just sort of get lost in the in the sort of nature writing. Um, and I think where I'm not someone that um, knows a lot about birds or, or the sort of stuff that Dara writes about, I was able to just sort of read it and, and take it in as it came. Whereas there was lots of very, very relatable stuff in Pete's book and it, it set me up on thinking about things. Yeah, it, it just occurred to me. We said this was our first book club, but we might want to just specify that we have read What I Want to Talk About. Yes. Uh, by Pete Warmby. How Autistic Special Interests Shape My Life. <laughs> Maybe we should say <laughs> the actual name of the book. <laughs> they always have, we have the same publisher, they always have very long titles, Jessica Kingsley books, because they always want to show up in Google searches <laughs> that does have a very long title. Jessica Kingless, Kingsley Publishers. I didn't even think to look at the publisher. Is it the same publisher that published your book? Yeah, yeah. So they often have like a part of their sort of... Um, thing is they have a subtitle so um they often have quite a long subtitle ah very clever very clever well joe you were saying you found this book relatable what did uh what do you think about it what are your initial thoughts initial thoughts oh i loved it a lot and it feels like very exciting that that um you to me it's part of a bigger um sort of library of autistic experience which is being built up you know sort of 30 years ago to um to an autism history for people temple grandin wrote arguably the first book written by an autistic person or co-wrote it and then you had donna williams and sort of different people in the 90s um uh daniel tamat was another one who i remember reading but um now it feels like there's this real boom of all this experience coming up and all the little nuances of autistic experience Mm. and uh stuff that there's stuff in this book which is very relatable, but I wonder whether it would be stuff that uh, would be in sort of diagnostic criteria, but it's still very relatable. Do you know what I mean? Like that it would or that it should be part of it or is it part of it? I don't quite understand what you mean. So like the, I think there's just all these little like nuances of autistic experience which aren't covered by the sort of diagnostic criteria. Mm-hmm. but they are shared experiences among many autistic people. And uh, and I think that there were lots of things in that that w- which were sort of very, very relatable. Um, and probably if you sort of went sort of, if you sort of thought about them properly, they probably are in some way linked to that diagnosis. But um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're just that sort of experience. Am I rambling already? <laughs> no, no, it's good. I like it. It's interesting. Yeah, I um I I I thought it was a great book. I found some of it relatable. I'm going to go ahead and say I didn't uh, assume I didn't find some of it as relatable as you do. But what I really liked about it as a non-autistic person who is around a lot of autistic people, namely my boyfriend, is it made me go Oh, that's what's going on. Like, right. I think Pete has a really good way of breaking certain things down. Like, specifically, I have a niece who's autistic who's really struggling in school right now. And I, I don't, first of all, I don't understand the British school system. I, I, I got to assume it's, you know, school is school, but at the same time, it's not. And And reading Pete's section on 
what it was like to be in school as an autistic uh, boy was just like, oh, this is really eye-opening. And him talking about the sensory overload of the classroom and why it was so difficult was just, um, it was a really, uh, really visceral way of writing about what sensory overload is. Mm. And uh, it's probably the best thing I've ever read to make me understand it. And I get sensory overload as well, but in a different way. And, and it, it just kind of made me be like, oh, okay. Mm. Okay, I get it. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, so, How am I yeah totally. I think with like a lot of autistic writing, there's like two audiences to, and and one person can sort of be both audiences at the same time. Where mm. there's the there's the there's on the one hand the the books go, you get this right. It's just addressing other autistic people, and then on and then there's the other audience which is come in and understand this. You know, and yeah. I think it's straddled the two of those um, very well. I think he does a good job of doing that. Like, again, as a non-autistic person, I think it's very, uh, it was very informative, but also relatable at parts. It wasn't like I was ever like, oh, none of this has anything to do with me. I was also struck by, because uh, Pete's diagnosis for autism came in his 30s. So he mm. went through his whole childhood not understanding what his mind was how much his special interests were like a retreat and a safety net for him. Mm. Like in a really, really, um, how do I say this? Like, I know I, again, going back, I've always understood that special interests are a comfort and they're a way to ground yourself. But with the way he writes about them and how integral they are to his life. Like it's beyond, it, it's beyond comfort. It's like a deep need, you know, mm. it's like, like I would say Pete needs Lego as much as I need to breathe almost, mm. you know, that's how it kind of came off to me in a way. Would you agree or am I pulling it out of my blowing it out of proportion? Yeah, totally. I think like a lot for me, especially when I was younger, like, but, but, and also now, especially just what, what almost like, I say it's almost like a religious thing, you know, where it was like, sort of, it grounded a lot of my sense of, uh, sense of, a lot of my like experiences and, and like, so I mean, there's no way I get around it. One of my special, my main special interests as a teenager was a now cancelled musician, but, uh, that, <laughs> it was almost like yeah it was like a religious thing and I'd like to have carry around like you know I'd have t-shirts and all these sort of things which were almost like um uh symbols of you know like this this is a thing that's important to me yeah and it was sort of comforting where you know I wasn't fitting in and I wasn't um the world just seemed very overwhelming and um you know yeah and and no and it was just very clear that I wasn't like other people and at the time, I read that as you know, I wasn't wasn't as good as other people, and mm. um, that uh, you know that sort of like sense of well, actually, you know, like um, in particular sort of rock music has that sort of outsider thing of like you know, well, well you know, it's, it's okay to be an outsider, you know, you're not on your own being an outsider. 
I think it's probably what a lot of people get from their religious beliefs as well. Yeah. It's probably super offensive. <laughs> but I don't yeah, think it feels so. Like I don't think so. I mean, not to me, but also I'm not super religious, so maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. there was that was the first 10 minutes uh if you want the rest you've got to get to patreon that's patreon.com forward slash neurodivergent moments pod patreon which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash neurodivergent moments pod uh it'll i put it all in the show description so you can check that out there um yes abigail is at the leicester comedy festival on the 23rd of february i'm on tour um, if you go to livenation.co.uk, you can see my tour. Uh, the day this comes out will probably be um, that we, that the, the following day. I'll be in Newcastle. Um, and yeah, go and see Abigail if you're in Leicester on the 23rd. Uh, she's doing her fantastic show, Legally Cheeky. You just go to leicestercomedyfestival.com, uh, something like that. What is it? It's Google, you know how to find stuff. Google Leicester Comedy Festival and then search for Abigail Shimon and see her fantastic show. We'll be back in March with series uh, three, it is. We'll see you in, in March. Bye.